You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into whatever listening device you choose to use. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back with uh, with a unique edition of Locked On Blue Jays. I know normally I, I give my autopsies the day after games, but uh, we are recording this on Monday night during the Blue Jays and Rays game, which uh, it, it's back and forth. It's it's a barn burner. Um, we're top of the six now, so Blue Jays are down at the time of recording, but that that's not going to down our spirits. I'm sitting with a, with a fine brew... Uh, Nine Locks Watermelon Blonde, and I have fine company to join me on this episode because I have the father of Locked On Blue Jays, the father of Jays from the couch, an all-around good guy, all-around family man, and just just a wonderful person to talk Blue Jays in general. Mr. Sean Doyle joins me on the podcast. Sean. Good evening, Ryan. I can't believe you're enjoying the watermelon blonde. Oh, the watermelon blonde is amazing. How could no. you think I would not enjoy it? I'm a huge fan of Nine Locks, and for all of your listeners, you don't know what you're missing if you if you don't know, if you're not from the area. Nine Locks, a local brewery, has legit craft beer, but the watermelon blonde, I'm not a fan. I'm a cream ale guy. Oh. That's that's my jam when I when I go to Nine Locks. Yeah, but the watermelon blonde's a perfect summer beer, Sean. It it's light, it's refreshing, and it doesn't make you feel as bad as if you had to drink one of those other light beers that shall remain nameless because I don't want to plug them. But fair enough. And and if someone does want me to plug them, they can take a long leap off a off a mountain with a silver bullet strapped to them. <laughs> or at least pay you for your sponsorship. Exactly. Nine locks, I do it out the out of the goodness of my heart. But uh, well, that's because they do good work. Exactly. Exactly. And and good work is kind of the theme of this episode of Locked On Blue Jays because we're going to talk about some Blue Jays who have done good work, and whether or not we think they will continue to do good work, and. It, it kind of leads into tonight's game, Sean, because, uh, you know, heading into Tampa Bay, coming off that four-game sweep of Baltimore, everyone's feeling good about themselves. Everyone's riding high, like, oh, we're going to pass the Rays. Sam Gaviglio's on the mound, the newfound ace of the Blue Jays. Not the great night people expected for Sammy G. Um, at the time of recording, he has already left the ball game after three and a third innings, giving up seven hits and five runs. Walk two. The the control wasn't there, Sean. It it did not look good. He also plunked a batter. Only, only got in seventy pitches. He he didn't get a single ground out tonight, which I think is the biggest sign that things were not going his way in Florida. So, I want I wanted to ask you first of all, Sean. He he is going to be the first target that we look at, is this the end of Sammy G's fantasy run with the Blue Jays? Now, see, that's an interesting question because uh, over at jaysfromthecouch.com, I put up a little quick news thing this morning, and I talked about that, whether or not Sammy G is done uh, when Marcus Stroman returns. And there 
a surprising number of people feel that actually he should stay. Now, of course, they all say this before his start tonight. Tomorrow morning, probably a different story. But mm. uh, uh, there's a surprising number of people who said that he should stay and Jaime Garcia, Garcia should leave. Uh, he should be somehow <laughs> dealt with. And I don't know how they're going to just, you know, put uh, a guaranteed $10 million on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. Uh, where you have Sam Cavillo, who who can just be, you know, who isn't that much of a financial problem. Um, and the other thing, too, is that when somebody's pitching well, you know, sometimes the temptation is to maybe move them into the bullpen. Um, you know, it took them too long to put Joe Biagini in there, but um, move them to the bullpen. But then this team needs starting pitching depth. And I, so I think it, it just makes logical sense for Sam Gavilio to be uh, sent down to Buffalo, um, you know, and maybe wait for, uh, which, you know, we hope never happens. No offense to Sammy G, but we don't want to see the starting rotation hurt, uh, which is unfortunate for him because he's pitched his rear end off. Um, but I just, it doesn't make, it, it makes too much sense not for, yeah. for him not to be the one to go down. Yeah, because I, I was kind of wondering about that. And and uh, the transaction yesterday where the Blue Jays claimed Preston Gilmet, which if you all listened to yesterday's episode, I still don't know why Preston Gilmet got claimed. But again, I'm not a GM yet. But when Tim Meza was the one who was sent down instead of Joe Biagini, Meza coming off two shutout innings in, against Baltimore has a 2.70 ERA. The fact that Biagini wasn't sent down makes me wonder if he's not occupying a role that Sam Gavilio might occupy once Marcus Stroman comes back. And that is a, a kind of sacrificial long man. Now tonight, obviously we did not see a sacrificial long man, despite the short outing from Sam Gavilio, Danny Barnes, New favorite player, Danny Barnes. I don't know why, but he came in and pitched a shutout inning in two-thirds. So, you're welcome. Just got replaced, actually, at the at this moment by John Axford. But it, it looks like Barnes gotten more use and more length from John Gibbons' perspective. And I'm wondering if when Stroman comes back and takes that spot in the rotation, especially given tonight's outing, I I don't know if Gavilio is the one who moves back into the bullpen and they just send Biagini packing down to Buffalo to try and just figure out whatever it is they need him to figure out. Cause he, I don't know what you do with Joe Biagini anymore. He's, he looks absolutely broken, Sean. Yeah. Well, we talked about Joe Biagini on Episode 166 of the Jays from the Couch radio podcast, which I recorded just before uh, I went on the air with you. And we we kind of basically said that Joe Biagini just kind of looks defeated out there. Uh, it has all season. Uh, I'm not really, I don't know if you call it pitching with conviction or, or whatever you want to call it, but there's something missing, that little extra oomph uh, that's missing. And I think the Blue Jays are going to give him a longer leash. Uh, to try and figure things out, and maybe figuring things out in short stints in the bullpen is the way to go. Um, and Sam Cavillo has shown more as a starter, to be honest, than Joe Biagini has. So in my mind, I think Joe Biagini stays uh, in the bullpen, and Cavillo goes down uh, to keep him as a starter. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed 
to it being the other way around and be a genie going down to Buffalo uh, or, you know, whatever sports psychologist they can, you know, they can find. Um, and Gavilio saying in, as a long man, I don't mind that at all uh, because Lord knows this starting rotation this year is you know, the last seven starts aside. Uh, they've shown that they, <laughs> they don't exactly eat up a lot of innings. So the long man is certainly something that's needed. No, and I I know you just said uh, send Biagini to whoever sports psychologist he needs. If you can't get right facing the Baltimore Orioles, I don't know what else, what else is going to help you at the major league level. Because <laughs> if you can't get right pitching against them, what uh, you you got to take a long hard look at yourself. So so yeah, it it's it's was tough to see Biagini struggle against Baltimore, and we will hopefully see better things out of him in the future. Let's, But let's actually talk about some hitters that look very good against those Orioles right after this message. All right, we are back. Um, John Axford just got in, through an innings work on four pitches, which is awesome. Good work, Johnny. So... Good old Canadian boy. Exactly. He's a good old Canadian boy from Simcoe. So, um, that's, that's my bad Don Cherry impression that comes out when I drink. It it wasn't that bad, bud. I got it right away. (laughs) I'm better than I thought, I guess. Um, but yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the hitters that really made their mark in that Baltimore series. And for some, it was desperately needed. But because he's leading off the top of the seventh right now, Sean, let's start with a Ledmus Diaz, who came off the DL before the Detroit series. I believe I saw a stat that the Blue Jays are six games above 500 when a Ledmus Diaz is in the lineup and well below that when he is not. Maybe that just coincides with that brutal stretch in May. But Diaz has had some, some key hits since coming back. Uh, what are your thoughts on Diaz continue his continuing his run at least until a guy like Troy, at least until Troy Tulowitzki comes back? So I I always love statistics that are based on pure coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> it's so convenient. Diaz does not exactly carry the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> no. Right, exactly. Let's cherry pick some nice stats here, but um. But, so Aledmus Diaz is what he is at this point. Uh, he's he's uh, an upgrade from Gift and Gope. Uh, pretty much a, an upgrade on anybody who's been in the in that position since the season started. So, yeah, I mean, whether or not he's going to continue to, you know, allow them to walk games off and all of that stuff, I'm not so sure that that's going to be uh, what you're going to see from him. But you're going to see, you know, a reasonable at bat uh, over the long, longer term. Uh, he may put together some pretty terrible looking at bats individually, but he um, plays, you know, good enough defense until Troy Tulowitzki gets back. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, Alidmus Diaz can get hot, sure, but even if he's not, it, I really feel like it doesn't really matter um, because he's better than anything they've run out there already this season. And, I think we know kind of what he is anyway. Mm. Uh, is he the the previous all-star? Probably not. 
Um, but it's also not as bad as uh, when St. Louis sent him down either. So he's somewhere in the middle, and that's okay with me. So whether he can maintain being hot, you know what? I just think just, just be just be average, and I think it's still better than what they've had. Yeah, he's a plus on Ryan Goins and everything but the pitching arm. And <laughs> he's he's shown himself. Look, Kendris can do that. It, let's save Kendris for a second. I want I'll, we'll we'll get to Kendris. I, I do want to give credit, though, for Diaz. He's doing exactly what you said. Seven pitch at bat right now against uh, Diego Castillo. He's fouled off four of them, and he's he's getting, like, sinker, sinker, cutter all over the place. So he, he is putting together a professional at bat, which you cannot say the Blue Jays got from the likes of Gifton Gope and his 050 batting average. But I, I first want – and right as I said that, he struck out on the cutter. Good work, Aledmus. So – let, let's move of to the. He did. Of course, of course. Why wouldn't he? Let's move on to the other cardinal that was acquired in the offseason, Randall Grichuk. He of the 0.99 batting average about a week ago. It's now almost doubled. He's sitting at 186 at the moment. He's got an RBI single tonight that initially put the Blue Jays up 4-3. But what I'm more excited about Grichuk is even if he's hitting in the seven hole pretty regularly, that's a really good bat to have in a seven hole. And I, I wanted to get your take on if if getting healthy and, and having that kind of absence reset Grichuk enough that this is what he's going to be for the rest of the year, a solid contributor at the bottom of the lineup who's who's plus plus defensively and can really fill the gap in the corner outfield that the Blue Jays have needed. Oh man, I hope so because this is my guy. Like all winter, I've been looking forward to watching him play, and in April, I was kind of beside myself. Uh, I really hope so, and I think you know uh, when a guy takes time on the DL, he's trying to get healthy. I get that, but I think what else it did for him, it had the added bonus of just getting away from the game a little bit, um, kind of shaking out the cobwebs or whatever uh, that he needed to do. And and you know sometimes people need a break. If they're, you know, if these things aren't going well, like, like I wrote at jasonthecouch.com, if this were July, uh, we would, he would be one, he would have been one player we said needs an all-star break, um, just to kind of stop and get away to, to clear his head. And, and I think that the trip to the DL has done that and he's hitting very well lately, extra base power home runs. Um, and this is what they, they were trying to get. This is what they thought they got. This is what Baltista with and so I think what you're seeing now is more the Randall Grichuk that the Toronto Blue Jays traded for Mm. Uh, it's definitely not the April version that's certainly not uh, him Um, now is he going to continue being uh, a fuego maybe not you know he'll he'll strike out a lot that's him but this the, the production, I think, is is more in line with what we should have been seeing all year. Yeah, and and I 100% agree with you on that. When I, when I watched Grichuk over the weekend, I I saw someone who was behaving a lot more naturally. Because how, how many at-bats did we see from Randall Grichuk earlier in the season where he was looking like 2015 Kevin Pillar, just swinging at everything and trying to make it happen on every pitch? It does seem like the break mm. is, has pulled him back a little bit, put him put him back within his own body, and and seeing the way he's been swinging for contact lately, getting these solid line drives to 
to fall into the outfield corner or to poke their way past infielders. It's such a huge turnaround from what he was doing at the plate in April. And like, I, I do think that this, this is the grit chuck that the blue Jays thought they were getting and hope hoping they could plug in there. So I, I think he can sustain mm-hmm. this. I, I see, I see a plus. I see him passing the Mendoza line in the future. I very soon, the way, the way he's hitting like that, he could get it by the time they face the Braves next week. So agreed. So I, I will be looking forward to that as uh, T Oscar just got on board with a single T Oscar's two for four tonight. Um, so listen, we, we said this on our podcast, just as a kind of afterthought near the end there, but T Oscar Hernandez, is he not a surprising dark horse all-star? Hmm. No, I hadn't really thought about that because I, in my mind, it's, I just kind of locked in Jay Happ because like he's, he's the only mm-hmm. pitcher who's doing well. And generally when you have a team like the Blue Jays, it's, it's either, it's either just a random pitcher who goes or, you know, like those middle infield types that don't hit for a lot of power and Devin Travis mm-hmm. ain't going to no all-star game, but T. Oscar is an interesting candidate. I just don't know if there's a room for him because like the, right. like the Yankees and Red Sox are each going to send two thirds of their outfield. Like Red Sox are sending Betts and Benintendi. Yankees are going to send Stanton and judge. And you're going to mm. have, you're going to have trout in the outfield. He's going to be a starter. And then you're probably like, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. You're probably pulling like Springer from Houston. You might be pulling Michael Brantley from Cleveland. I don't know if there's a room for T. Oscar. I would love to see it just because, well, first of all, I would love to see T. Oscar in a home run derby because how much would he crush a home run derby? Well, you know what? I mean, I, I always love the home run derby. That's my, my jam. I don't even care about the all-star game itself. Um, and you know, even if he got an invitation to the, uh, the home run derby, I think that would be huge. I mean, here's a guy who we didn't even think would crack the roster, maybe an outside chance at a roster spot. But now he's like one of their more consistent hitters over from from last year. Uh, and I think, you know, some recognition there would be awesome for him. Not that I think he's going to get it. Um, that's why emphasis on the dark part of Dark Horse. But um, yeah, a home run derby appearance would be would be just <laughs> as good for me. Yeah, I I said earlier tonight that he's got that corner outfield slot locked down for the next ten years if he can stay healthy, and and I believe that I think Toronto mm-hmm. Toronto has can't possibly send him down, so I I think it's his his and he's just gonna run with it. And given the way some of the prospects have looked this year, I know Anthony Alford's been worrying with his wrist injury, like it, he's a desperately needed like put him in ink for 10 years you you got your power threat so that's that's huge for the blue jays but so yeah our our final topic of discussion tonight i i did put out a feeler on twitter to said hey we're recording the podcast tonight any anything anyone wants to talk about and uh christopher bradley at c bradley 2928 saw that kendris morales is having a good night two for three so far and Morales has been pretty good since his little Jose Mesa turn as a closer for the Blue Jays. So Christopher asked if Kendris Morales has finally turned the corner or are his best days behind him? 
And Sean, I'll let you have first crack at that one. I think the answer is yes to both of those things. <laughs> um, yes, his his better years are behind him, and yes, he's turning the corner. Um, is he going to sustain it? Who man? Who knows? Uh, I hope to God does. I, I remember though, and I've been saying this already. They should have DFA'd him a long time ago, um, <clears throat> just to use that DH spot, uh, but. Uh, then injuries happen and along the roster. And so, you know, it's okay to carry a DH uh, because th- there aren't the, the bodies to fill the spot. Uh, but once everybody's healthy, if he hasn't turned the corner, I'm still going to ride that train, the DFA train for Morales, because I just don't, I think they're paying him $11 million. And I know people want to see their money's worth for $11 million. But to me, in my mind, when everybody's healthy, the roster spot that would allow everybody to circle through and all of that stuff, that is worth more than $11 million. So for me, if he's not, if he hasn't turned the corner, I, I still say they got to seriously, seriously consider the DFA. Um, now, obviously, a lot of different things have to happen in order for that to take place. Like, you know, guys have to be healthy and producing themselves, but all things being equal and everybody playing the way they're supposed to play and everybody's healthy and all of that stuff. Um, everybody doing what they're supposed to do. There's just no room on this roster for Kendris Morales. Yeah. And, and I, I would say that, that, uh, Christopher is, again, you can say yes to both because in, in a, mm. in a totally optimistic world, uh, this hot play from Kendris Morales would make him attractive on the trade market. But if Hanley Ramirez isn't getting a bite, Kendris Morales doesn't have much chance of getting a bite either. So I think the Blue Jays can continue to ride this again while they have the injury issues. And yeah, Steve Pierce has been cited. So Pierce is supposed to be working towards coming back again. Same with Tulowitzki, Josh Donaldson. I mean, who knows with his calf, but He's supposedly working back towards it. And and once the Blue Jays do get healthy on all fronts, I'm I'm with you. I think Kendris Morales will have reached the end of his time with the Blue Jays. As okay. Uh John Axford just threw away two runs. So that happened. Um I I I don't even know. I don't mm. even know, Sean. Because like, one minute, I'm watching Twitter here, and then one minute, uh, everybody's praising John Axford for getting out of the inning. The next inning, he gives up runs, and everybody's telling them to go back to Little League. I'm I'm more worried about the fact that first Tyler Clippard and now John Axford apparently can't throw the ball to home, like while fielding, like like Clippard at <laughs> Clippard had that ball that that pulled Luke Maley off, and now. Um, admittedly, I am, I'm watching through MLB.com and yeah, I, I don't know the actual specific on what happened, but if, if it's reaching on a fielder's choice, I don't know what happened with Axford. There, there's a challenge on the play, so it might be overturned by the time we get to the end of this podcast, which we, we kind of have Sean. And I, again, I thank you for taking the time, staying up. And and coming on with me, I know 
I know you already put in Yeoman's work on the podcast tonight, so I thank you for, for putting in the extra time with me tonight. Oh, the call on the field was upheld. Gibby loses another one. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I know, right? But, uh, Sean, tell the fine people, if they don't already know or have forgotten, where they can find you and, and where they can enjoy your work. Yeah, well, you can. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where you can find me because I don't need any stalkers. But mm-hmm. you can find my work over at jaysfromthecouch.com. You can follow me on Twitter at doylejftc, uh, as well as uh, Jays from the Couch on Twitter at Jays from Couch. And uh, make sure you're watching uh, for the links because we'll be doing a lot of live pregame shows where you listen live, send in your questions, and if you're brave enough, you can hop on the air. It's I call it Blue Jays Talk. For real Blue Jays fans, it it is a good time. I may or may not have already been on it before. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> while while attempting to procure food from a Dairy Queen, so it's true. You never know what you're going to hear. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's true. I, I will say, I will say behind the scene, that was a very interesting how I was able to, to place my order with the DQ guys while talking to you about where Jay Hap could be traded. Um, just, just, I basically wrote it down and then was like miming to the DQ person behind. And they're like, uh, what's this? I'm like, I'm like tr- trying to do the hand. So like two, two. So that was fun. But that that is the effort that I put in. That's the effort I put in to make sure y'all have whatever Blue Jays info you need. And if you want more of my info, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. You can follow this podcast on there at LockedOnJays. And I'm just going to plug JaysFromTheCouch.com again because it is awesome and everyone should be making it a daily stop on their journey to find the most exquisite Blue Jays knowledge they can. Uh, But yeah, for my esteemed guest, Sean Doyle, this is Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Locked On Blue Jays. And y'all take care.